Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday. Happy Feast of St. Benedict. And welcome to episode 422 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk about the complete failure that is Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. We'll also give a little bit of a preview of the John Wick 4 numbers as they are currently being projected. We don't have any final confirmation on these projections. We just have the Box Office Pro early numbers, which give a wide range. And it is actually pretty interesting to look at those numbers. I would not be surprised to see them change before uh, the next couple of days are through as we start to get closer to release day. I know that I've already got my ticket to go see this film in IMAX because it's my most anticipated film of the year, and I've heard a lot of really good things from people who've gotten to see it early, so I am quite excited, and it's not very common in these times at the box office that I'm often excited to go see a movie. Hopefully you've been watching the reviews that I've been posting, as I have had a chance last week, especially with Spring Break, to go see a few films in theaters, as well as watch some films at home that were sent to me. Uh, and again, check those out. And of course, we'll have our typical box office discussion and movie conversations. And it is, of course, still the beautiful season of Lent. We just hit the halfway point last Thursday. This past Sunday, Latari Sunday, was uh, the halfway point in the actual Sunday cycle. It's kind of just crazy just to think about and look ahead because we have this coming Saturday, the Feast of the Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Passion Sunday this coming Sunday, Passion Week next week, and then the week after that is Holy Week. And so this Lent is just flying by, and it's it's pretty crazy. Before we further, though, please make sure you smash that like button, live that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey, and smash the rumble button as well, as we are multi-streaming to all platforms, YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble. And let's go ahead and say hello to the people who are in the, uh, who are in the chat over on YouTube. Master of Gaming, what is going on? Welcome, he was here early. Orange Arrow Views, who is a member on the channel and also one of our mods. Please make sure to follow his rules and instructions. As he says, we like to have fun, keep things keep things civil. Please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin, let's know that you're trying to get my attention no matter what platform that you are on, whether it be YouTube, Odyssey, or Rumble. So please make sure you do so. I do fall 20 to 30 minutes behind in the chat, typically. So... Do make sure that you have patience and don't spam the chat. If you put at Odin in, I can guarantee you that I will get to it at some point. Tina B, stop by earlier, Empress of the Universe. Tina B, thank you for being here. Uh, if you have not been a part of the Discord server, she now has her own dedicated channel. So anyone who wants to try to talk with her, just please do keep in mind that she can't see very well. So I've seen a few people like spam her with a lot of questions. And I know that she loves to interact with people, and I know that she loves, obviously, to answer questions and to have, you know, conversations, but do try to be aware, just, again, she really can't see all that well, and so we don't want to, we don't want to have to strain her uh, when, when it's not necessary. So if, if, again, if there's questions that are just burning within you that you just have to know, or if you're checking in, obviously with her and how she's doing or if she's you know asking for people to ask questions or something like that go right ahead uh but do try to uh to to not spam that channel uh as again tina does struggle to to read those comments and again our, our thoughts and prayers are continuing to be with tina empress of the universe and uh again have faith that 
uh, your eyes will improve and get better. And I just know that I'm praying for you every day. And I know that a lot of people here in the channel are absolutely doing the same thing as well. Uh, Sonora Poopas Cuber, hello, humans and other quitters. What's going on? Welcome back. Glad to see you here. The R in the chat says, Restore the Snyderverse. Hell no. Hell no. It's already bad enough that we have Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which took the best DCEU film, which, even though I enjoyed it a lot, it's not saying a lot. I mean, it was a B-movie, the first Shazam! film, and it was fun. It was enjoyable. And then Shazam 2 comes out, and it's definitely not the worst, you know, it's definitely not the worst DCEU film, but it's a C-level movie at best. And then you have all the Snyderverse films, which are mostly crap, so, yeah, I don't think restoring the Snyderverse is gonna be a, a good thing going forward. And I understand the argument that some people say, oh, well, this is what happens when you tick off the Snyder fans, they don't show up to your movie, and I think that there might be something to that, but just keep in mind, even the Snyder films, at their peak, were still not all that successful financially. Were they making their money back? Sure. Were they making some profits? Sure. But they weren't the biggest films out there. I remember Batman v Superman, everyone was like, oh, this film's going to make a billion dollars, and it didn't. Then I know, of course, all the things that happened with Justice League, and that movie ended up making over, you know, just over $600 million. And I understand that wasn't the vision that Zack Snyder had, but yes, he released a four-hour cut of his film, and it took him four hours to tell a half-competent story, and it still had problems. So, no. Not a Snyderverse fan here. Uh, the R, though, greetings to you. Welcome back. Bryant Barth, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Kili Chow in the chat as well. Uh, thanks for asking about Thor, the wife, and my mother. My mother was here this weekend, so she, did, uh, she had a lot of fun. Was able to spend some time with baby Thor, who's doing well. Uh, he's, he's very much in toddler mode though. He's in the, you know, I, I don't want this, but then you take it away. And then he says, I do want it. And you know, if you've ever had toddlers as, you know, nephews or nieces or kids or anything like that, you, if you've, if you've dealt with a toddler, you know what I'm talking about. So that's been fun. Uh, Orange Review says, well, Odin doc visit and CD, uh, CT scan came in. I need surgery to get the kidney stone out. But enough of the Debbie Downer news. Freya and Baby Thor, how are they doing? Uh, well, thank you very much for that. And hey, we'll pray for you too, man. And um, I will say, I I know that that's definitely not good news. But I think that there are other things that it could have been. So I'm going to say I'm thankful that it's not something more serious than that. Getting surgery for anything is is already is always is always serious. But I'm thankful that it's not something uh, much worse than that, dude. So I'll be praying for you for a successful uh, surgery. Great Wuda, what is going on? Welcome back into the chat. We got just another red shirt in the chat. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, Gmonkey76, what's going on? Mr. Roy in the chat as well. We got Gus hanging out. Hail to you. Uh, let's see. Freedom is an illusion hanging out over on Odyssey. What's going on? Again, no matter what platform you're on, I'm multi-streaming to YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble. If you have a comment or question, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. So it lets me know you're trying to get my attention. It's like a it's like a secret code to make sure that the people who are who are here and the, the, who are asking the questions are people who are actually watching. The Morak, what's going on? Welcome back into the chat. Griffin Turbo in the chat as well. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. All right, let's see. Alice McCarthy says, "Howdy, Odin. How's it going? How's Thor? Cocaine Bear is probably more entertaining than Shazam too." Um, yes, but I, I would say I would only prefer to watch Cocaine Bear over Shazam 2 because it's shorter. Um, but that does not make Cocaine Bear a, a good film, so. 
Uh, let's see. Freedom of Illusion. Uh, again, it's at Odin. Just at Odin uh, over there. But you did tag the channel. It says, what, what your political? I don't know what you're referring to. I have assumed that it means what my politics are. I'm, I'm an independent. I'm politically independent. I, I, am, I like to say that I'm politically independent, but I, I am a devout Roman, traditional Roman Catholic. And so, therefore, I don't really fit into any boat. Uh, let's see. Dr. Martin Van Nostrand, what's going on? Says, hello, Odin. How's your... Hope you're doing well. I'm ready to see John Wick 4. We're binging the first three tomorrow. Have to say, I still prefer Equalizer series to The Wick, but love these still. I haven't seen the Equalizer series, so I can't speak to that comparison necessarily. What I can say is the John Wick franchise is phenomenal. Again, the first film is the best film overall. Second film has the best story. Third film has the most has the best action, in my opinion. That's how I viewed them. Apparently, uh, this film is a return to form, and to hear that it's a return to form while also being over two and a half hours long, that makes me very, very happy. Kimberly G, what is going on? Welcome back. Gus says, have you seen All Quiet on the Western Front? I really enjoyed its powerful reminder of what war can really look like. If you mean the one on Netflix, the the one from Germany, I've I've seen some of it, but it is hard for me to get through that, to be perfectly honest. Um, not not because of the content or because it's it's too it's too much or anything. It's it's rather I I need to take it in smaller chunks because I appreciate the filmmaking. It's beautifully done as far as the filmmaking. Cinematography is gorgeous. Uh, production design, costuming, all that stuff looks great. Um, but I'm overall not truly invested in in the film. To be perfectly honest, so I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of the screenplay. Not that it's bad. I just I just find that. It, um, it's a little bit too much for me. J.S. Pena, what is going on? Welcome back. Gus says, no Rumble. I hear that it's quite a good site. No, I'm on Rumble. I should be on Rumble. I hope I clicked the right thing. Oh, did I make the mistake again to... <laughs> and not click the correct channel? Like, this is where Rumble drives me absolutely nuts. Is if you don't do things in a certain way... Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... Yeah, I'm live on Rumble, but unfortunately, it's under Odin's movie blog instead. Um, ah, that drives me nuts. You, I, there's too many options. Rumble, you need to clean things up, seriously. I, I want to give so much more support to Rumble, but they don't have playlist. They're, they're, uh, they, don't, they don't save your progress when you're watching stuff. And so, yeah, they've got a lot of really good things there, but at the same time, it's just, it's not good. So I guess what I can do is let me go ahead and end the stream over there and set up a, a new live stream. I guess I can do that on the fly. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Anyway, in the live chat, uh, Steven, I see you asking questions away in your in your typical fashion. Do please pace yourself, good sir. I, I do need some time. Um, and actually, you know what? Uh Okay, yeah, that's going to take too long. So, sorry, yeah, not on Rumble tonight, unfortunately. Um, but there will be the full stream on Rumble a little bit later. I mean, not many people watch on Rumble anyway, so apologies. But because I clicked the button on Go Live and didn't specify that I wanted it to go to OMB Reviews, even though it's my main thing, it's just stupid. Again, Rumble, get your act together because your platform, as good as it is, I will say, in many ways, it still sucks. Keely Chow says, In your opinion, what is the worst DC movie that you have ever watched? Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. The let's see. The original Justice League was pretty bad. I hated Batman v Superman. Um, I, I did not like the Snyder Cut. Uh, I mean, 
almost all of the DC, again, the only DCEU film that I actually enjoyed, like thoroughly enjoyed and would watch again was Shazam, the first Shazam film. Everything else, one watch and then I'm done. The second best I think would be Man of Steel. Everything else, everything else after that, I could just throw out and could care less about. Master Gaming says, you will not be disappointed watching John Wick 4. Most people who saw it say it's the best in the franchise. We shall see about that. Abomination, what's going on? See, hanging out over on Odyssey. Kitty Chaz says, what would you rather watch, Superman 4 or Batman and Robin? I've never seen Superman 4. As, as many of you all know, I have the unpopular opinion of not being a big fan of this first Superman movie for a couple of reasons. One, um, the entire plot line and the, the entire character development for... Lex Luthor, I think, is very poorly written because he is, of course, supposed to be very bright, very intelligent. But for him to figure things out about Superman the way he does makes no logical sense within the framework of the movie. No logical sense whatsoever. Um, it's almost like, hey, he's super smart and he just happened to figure this out. And I don't like that. I, I like my villain's story to to make some sense, right? For him to have seen something and been able to, you know, really smartly, you know, decipher certain things. No, instead of just like, oh, he just knows. He just figures it out. And there's no real explanation as to how he figures it out. Other than he's so smart, he can basically read the minds of the screenwriters. Um, is really the only uh, excuse. And then the entire turning back of time has so many continuity problems with it that it's, I, I can't. I just can't. Now, again... I, I think that Chris Reeves is fantastic. I think he's phenomenal. And if you all remember, we were actually doing this as a live stream. Um, we were doing a, a movie watch party for watching this movie. And I was saying, hey, this he's great. Chris Reeves is fantastic. But the first movie, I just did not like. So I've not seen anything after. I could not see anything. I have not seen anything after because I just have not, have not had the desire. So... Uh, see, Joey Horn says, what's up, Odin? Hello, chat, what's going on? Bruce, hail to you. Jonah Wingster, restore the Marioverse. Glory to he who dines with pizza under the pineapple. Yeah, I mean, the early numbers seem to indicate that the film uh, Mario, Super Mario Brothers, is going to be successful. But, but, one must be a little careful not to become too excited that the film's going to make a billion dollars. All right? Because uh, the numbers are early, and the numbers, though good, are very similar to the numbers we saw for Minions, last I checked, for Minions 2, and that film didn't make a billion, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the Morak, what is going on? Welcome. Steven, with his first of many questions, says, I feel moviegoers caught on with the wokeness for comic book movies. Shazam, it really did bad. The box office lost nearly 50% on Monday, then the first movie, and that's not counting inflation. Well, it actually lost way more than 50% on Monday, and we're going to talk about that. And no, I honestly, let's just be honest here. It's not wokeness that has led to Shazam 2 being a flop. You can say that it's a part of it, but ultimately it comes down to these studios, especially Warner Brothers and Disney, have not put the time and effort into the stories that they are telling. They have decided to just coast on goodwill, right? The, the goodwill they used to have from audiences and just assumed, hey, we're going to just throw DC on it. We're just going to throw one and, and people are going to show up. And that, I think, is the difference. People are instead saying, no, 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 no. I'm not just going to spend my hard-earned money on a movie that is not going to actually matter for one i think that has a bigger thing to do with the debate i think i think the bigger one of the bigger factors that's not wokeness i think the, the bigger factor much bigger than wokeness is james gunn 
James Gunn, I think, torpedoed any chance this movie had with all of his announcement about what's not going to happen, what is going to happen, what his plans are. I think all of that ultimately uh, led to a lot of people just saying, okay, you don't care about this movie, clearly. I don't. Why should I care about this movie? And again, a, m- a bunch of other things too, uh, economically speaking. Um, but yeah, the concept that you know people are catching on with wokeness in comic book movies, no. I don't think that's that's true because that would insinuate that people have caught on to wokeness in movies in general. And let's just be honest, Avatar 2 had a lot of moments of what we would describe as wokeness and that film made $2 billion. So, yeah, it, it's about individual releases, not about general concepts. Abomination over on Aussie says, just got back. It's getting so nice out. I went for a walk uh, to a restaurant for dinner. Two miles and now I'm dying. And then says, everybody using the term successful too liberally. I never know what people mean by successful anymore. I say that the Mario movie is only successful if it leads to multiple other Nintendo franchise movies. Otherwise, Jeremy has to eat pineapple pizza. Well, obviously, I think that the metric that many of us have, and many people in general have, for success when it comes to animated films or when it comes to big films of major franchises is the billion. And it is a, a relatively new phenomenon because if you actually look at the number of films that have hit a billion dollars over the last several years, it's actually not that many. If you look to the MCU, for instance, not all of them have hit a billion dollars. You know, Several of them have, but not all of them. And obviously some of the biggest films of the last several years have, have come from uh, the MCU. Um, but I agree with the general assessment of Abomination that when it comes to successful, for me, success is you've made your money back and you've made a fair amount of profit. For a big budget film, if you're not making at least $100 million in net profit, I don't think you have much of a success. That, that That's what I come down to. Like, again, big budget, you need to get at least $100 million in net profit before we can talk about any type of success. And there are some people who even say that that isn't, isn't enough. Um, but yeah. Good insights, Abomination. And and with that in mind, and since Steven had mentioned at the box office, let's actually talk about what the uh, the drop-off actually was uh, for Shazam and talk about just how abysmal this truly is. So, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. This is the Monday numbers here. And as you can see, it dropped 77% from Sunday to Monday. That is a, an incredibly high drop for a superhero movie, right? That's That's up there as far as drops are concerned. But to me, the bigger problem that this film has is the fact that on the first Monday, where typically films do pretty well, right, in comparison to most Mondays, this film only made $1.6 million. This film only barely, you know, barely got cross and got more than Scream 6 after... Scream 6 has been out for 11 days. So this is what, it's second or third Monday? And Scream 6 made $1.4 million. So so you're looking at a difference of around $200,000 here. And if you look at that per theater, per, theater, per theater ratio, you're seeing a very similar story also being told. So what we're seeing is ultimately just a massive fall off for this film. If this is the first Monday, imagine what week one's going to look like, especially with a film like John Wick 4 set to come out. And John Wick 4 is expected to not just win the weekend, but potentially uh, be uh, an incredibly high uh, start to that that franchise. Now, I'm sure that the articles are going to start coming out and say it's going to be the biggest of the franchise. You all know. Whenever the deadlines and, and all the other Hollywood media out there run with those narratives, I am very quick to want to point those things out. 
because uh, usually it's, it's, it's a bunch of bunk because they don't adjust for inflation and they don't actually use reliable data. So let's go ahead and talk about both of these topics. Shazam and its incredible box office failure, because it is a box office failure at this point in time. And we'll also talk about it in relationship to John Wick 4. Because it's funny, people have always, you know, <laughs> whenever it's something that they don't like, they're like, they love, they love accusing me of, of, of cherry picking things and of not going after things that I love. Well, hey, I did a, a full-fledged chart for the John Wick series, and it actually doesn't look too great for the John Wick series if the numbers hold. And that's a big if at this point, because right now, all we have are these numbers here. So first off, let's talk to box office, go to box office pro. As you can see, as of the 17th of March, so we've, again, about four days ago, their last update, they actually increased their projections for John Wick's opening to be somewhere between 59 and $74 million. That's an average of $66 million. That number is important for later. With the entire domestic total projected to be somewhere between 156 and 210 All around, not bad numbers there, right? And since these films don't cost too much money, it seems like that is an early sign that this film will, if it holds, be able to probably make some of its money back and, and make some, some, some a decent amount of profit to boot. But what's interesting about the numbers here is that, one, I don't know why, uh, is there an actual holiday going on next Monday that I'm just totally uh, forgetting about here? Anyway, because they have five-day uh, five number here. But anyway, so with the John Wick franchise, this is expected to be, again, a pretty strong start. But let's talk about, again, let's kind of build up Shazam a little bit. So Shazam, the break-even point for Shazam is 312 $0.5 million. The film made roughly $65.5 million worldwide in its opening weekend, meaning that it's currently at a loss of $148, sorry, $148 million. Seeing that this movie has already dropped 77% on its first Monday, the chances of this film having anything uh, better than a 60 to 65% drop is not likely. We're, we're probably looking at around a 65 to 70% drop for Shazam 2. And that's after an incredibly low opening weekend. This film came in $20 million under the international numbers that were originally being projected for the film. So that's, in a very, that's a very important metric to look at. Now let's go ahead and compare this to the first Shazam movie. All right. So as you can see, when you look and compare to those first Mondays, right, in the unadjusted numbers, even when you don't have these adjusted for inflation, you look at the first Monday for the new Shazam, 1.6 million, versus the 3 million. So the first Shazam film made double. And when you adjust for inflation, it's maybe even closer to triple the amount of money that this movie made on its first Monday back. What's more important, though, is talking about these domestic openings. So the unadjusted numbers are 30.1 million. This film was originally projected to do 35 million domestically, came in well underneath that. Whereas the first Shazam in 2019 made $53.5 million. Now I've done, gone ahead and done some math for some people. There was a little bit of a spoiler there. Hopefully you didn't see it. So let's go ahead and, and talk about that number, right? So we had the $53 million unadjusted for inflation. Okay. Using the CPI inflation calculator, this is the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics. So I've said, okay, what is a dollar in you know February 2023? That's the, the, the closest that we can really go to at this point um, until the end of March. And then, okay, when did the, the last film come out? Okay, let's put that out in, in 2019. And let's go ahead and try to break out what this would be. 
Now, again, that's just where I got these numbers from, if you're wondering. So when Shazam came out, the month it came out, a ticket, or rather a dollar at that time, was worth $1.18. So if we used a dollar today, it'd be $1.18. Meaning that the adjusted number for Shazam, the original, the opening domestic was actually $63 million. Keep in mind, the worldwide opening for Shazam 2 was 65. So the domestic opening alone for the first Shazam made about as much as <laughs> the entire worldwide totals. So that is, again, a sign of just how bad, right? Shazam halved its audience, halved its weekend audience, its weekend-to-weekend audience. And then also, something I've been trying to do is uh, try to give us also an understanding of the number of ticket sales, too. So back in 2019, the average ticket price was around $9.16. And so I've taken right the adjusted number here for inflation, divided by the ticket price with also it being adjusted for inflation to make sure that it's on the same framing. You could also, of course, uh, divide the uninflated number, but that would create more complications for the chart. So you're looking at the first film's opening weekend selling domestically 5.8 million tickets, roughly. Compared to 2023, where we have just gotten this beautiful bit of analysis from thenumbers.com. I've mentioned this article previously. And essentially what happened is NATO, and no, not the international organization, but instead the, the National Theater Alliance, essentially, has not updated their average ticket price for, for quite a while at this point. And so what the numbers that I had to do is say, we want to update these numbers because we can't just keep this stuck at $9.16 or $9.17, whatever it was, because that is just not the reality, right? It hasn't been that number in in a couple years, right? In a few years now. And so what they decided to do is they decided to take the big, uh, the big theater chains and the average ticket prices of those and then come around to an average ticket price. And so as you can see here, the average for 2022, so again, average ticket price for 2022, this is not individual films, this is for 2022, was $10.45. So again, $10.45. And if you want to go further into this, again, this article is on their... Uh, is on their site, um, on the numbers.com. And so I wish that they did include Regal in this. I, I'm sure that they do explain further into why they've gotten to that point. But still, $10.45 is that is that number, and which means that, and we can obviously also insinuate that this is probably higher than 1045 because Lord knows the vast majority of people going to see Shazam 2 saw this film in IMAX or some other PFL, some other premium format uh, screen. But let's just, again, for the sake of being fair, because we could say the same for the first Shazam 2, that's probably not exactly 5,800,000 you know, 5, you know, 500, 500, tickets. You're looking at a difference of around, what, 3 million tickets? So 3 million less tickets just domestically being sold for Shazam 2 versus the first Shazam. So whether you're looking at the numbers adjusted for inflation or whether you're looking at the overall ticket sales, that is a, that's, that's abysmal. There's a chance that that Shazam 2 doesn't even get to $200 million. You could see the film cap out somewhere around 150. I mean, we won't know for sure until the numbers come in for the weekend, but let's just say it's not looking good for Shazam at all. So again, not only do you have the massive 77% drop from Sunday to Monday, you also have this massive difference, again, when you're actually using legit numbers, that show the vast difference. Again, half of what the first Shazam did. And ultimately, 
the first Shazam making as much as Shazam 2 did worldwide. That is, again, abysmal numbers here. But let's talk about John Wick. All right, so as I mentioned, John Wick, right now, Box Office Pro has the numbers ranging somewhere between 59 and $74 million. So the average of that is around $66 million, all right? Now, let's go ahead and compare this to the other three John Wick films. And so what I love about John Wick is that it's actually a perfect progression of what you want your franchise to do, which is grow its audience. This is something that, that Marvel has not seen, and it's actually seen the opposite. This is something that a lot of major studios have not been seeing. But this is why you know the John Wick franchise is good. Because look at the first opening weekend for John Wick 4 in 2014. It only made $14 million. It was a brand new entity. No one knew anything about it. And then the overall box office for it, unadjusted of course, was $76 million. By the second film, just a few years later, what happened? They added only about $10 million to the budget and it more than doubled what it made. It doubled its audience. You go then to John Wick Chapter 3, and what happened? It more than doubled its audience again. So you see progressive growth, not just for opening weekends by mass amounts of money, and not just for total domestic. You also see massive increases in the worldwide box office too, right? This film starting to get more international appeal, right? Going from 32 to 79 to 156. So that is a good metric. Here is where John Wick needs to be worried. Again, I'm excited for this movie. I want to see it. It's my most anticipated film, but I'm also not going to sugarcoat it either. All right. Let's look at the numbers. Okay. So looking at the numbers, adjusting these numbers for inflation. All right. We're still seeing a similar progression here, right? John Wick one made about 18.3 million when you use it in the dollars of 2014. And it actually sold around 1.7 million tickets, which again, doesn't sound like a whole, a whole lot of tickets, especially when you even compare that to the numbers from, from Shazam, right? John Wick 2, though, as you can see, doubled its tickets and therefore also doubled its value by opening to $37.4 million. John Wick 3, again, doubled its ticket sales too, bringing it to $6.3 million and its adjusted numbers there for $66.4 million. But here's the problem that John Wick 4 needs to be concerned about. And that's why I'm cautious for John Wick 4 until we get the actual numbers, because right now we're just going off of what Box Office Pro is saying, and Box Office Pro can be wrong. There's been times that that they have fallen off by quite a bit, that, that, that they've been wrong and off by quite a bit. But the average for their numbers is $66.5 million. So if it hits that now, if it hits that number, that means that John Wick 4 will have increased its domestic opening, but we're not going to see the doubling effect that we had seen in every other film. So do I think that that could happen? Yes. I, I don't think John Wick 4 is going to make the same percentage increase between films as the other ones did. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. But nonetheless, we're still seeing an increase. So it's still a good number for the movie. Right, the movie opens to $66.5 million domestically, that's still good. But I would definitely put out there to say I would still be concerned, right? Because that would theoretically, that would hypothetically, because all these numbers are adjusted, would be the highest grossing opening weekend of the franchise. And again, I know that they're going to want to run with that because they're going to run with the unadjusted numbers. But when you look at overall ticket sales, it's a marginal increase. 
So do I think this number is going to be higher? I do. I, I, I would not be surprised if this film is closer to the $70 million range. So I'm going to wait for, for deadlines analysis for whatever updates Box Office Pro puts out. Because as you saw, even from Box Office Pro, from about the month or so difference between when they put out their first projections, the number increased by 36%. So the movie is trending upwards. And based off early reactions, based on early hype, I think that you're going to see the film ultimately do much better. So anyway, there's the breakdown for Shazam, why it is an epic failure, and also for John Wick and why there, uh, there might need to be a little bit of concern as far as the growth of the franchise goes. Because as I said, every other film between the two films, we saw a doubling of profits, a doubling of tickets. And this will be the first time, if the numbers hold, where we'll see a marginal increase. But again, still too early to tell on that one. What we can say, though, is that Shazam is a complete and utter disaster, losing half of its domestic audience, and it's awful. Anyway, uh, Laura, the modern major general, hail to you. Snorra Poopa says, cocaine bear, we do not support the drugging of innocent bears. Exactly. Steven, uh, your thoughts on the rock... Uh, on the Rock stopped Black Adam cameo for Shazam 2. It does not matter. One bit. The Rock in that movie would not have really changed anything. At all. Bruce says, I have my ticket for John Wick 4 Thursday, 4.15. Nice. Yeah, I got I got a primetime showing. IMAX. I think mine's like a 7 p.m. showing. But I did get my ticket. Gus says, yes, the Netflix. Huh? Alex McCarthy says, Equalizer movies are pretty good. Not as good as John Wick, but still dang good. That's what I've heard. I've heard that they are pretty good. And uh, definitely looking forward to uh, checking those out one day. Steven says, Your thoughts on Marvel releasing the woke leader, Victoria? You think major change coming? Philly? So I've seen a lot of people cover that. I don't really get into that bit of news. And that type of news, really, anymore. Because I just I don't know nearly enough about the industry to feel like I have a lot to say about it. Um, because here's the thing. Did, did she leave because she got fired or did she leave because she worked for, didn't she work for the, like the CGI department? Maybe she left because she was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, Dr. Martin Van Nostrand says, what? You haven't seen the Equalizer. Stop what you're doing right now and watch Denzel Washington Equalizer. You will love him. Definitely on my list of films to go and see for sure. All right. Steven says, was it a mistake to have Wonder Woman cameos seen appear in Shazam trailer? Um, well, it was clearly a desperation move. I, I won't say it was a mistake because it probably did sell a few extra tickets. But what it also ultimately did was show their hand. You know, when, when you're doing that the week or so before the release, and also she's in the film for less than two minutes, basically. I, I mean... That, that is desperation. That's them saying, we have no buzz around this movie. No one wants to go see it. James Gunn has essentially just killed any of the excitement that, that could have been surrounding this movie. And the movie's not all that great either. So all of these factors going into it, it was a desperation sign and it clearly did not pay off. Zinewater says, you could care less or couldn't care less. I don't care about the distinction. I know there's a distinction and I know that it triggers some people and I don't care. Kimberly G, Birds of Prey, the worst. Ah, I completely forgot that film ever even existed. Um, yeah, I guess that would be DCEU. So I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would say that that's definitely, that's definitely up there. Definitely up there. 
Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. Good evening. Shazam was better than Black Adam. Oh, yeah. Hands down. I saw that there were some people saying that Black Adam was better, and I just was like, you're kidding me. It's like, no, 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 no. If we're going to talk about individual characters in Black Adam, I think that we could definitely, you know, you know, show some love to some of the characters in Black Adam. But as of overall movie, Shazam 2 is a far better film, far more entertaining than Black Adam could ever hope to be. Nathan Slay says, good evening. The gentleman is the best Guy Ritchie movie. Ah, oh, yes. Good. Uh, gentleman is fantastic. Dan Crane, what's going on? Good, sir. Says, hail Odin. Good to see you. Prayers to all who requested prayers. Day 28 of Lent. Who can say you, what can you say about Lent so far? God bless you and your family. It's It's been uh, a very uh, fruitful one. Definitely been the most intense um, physically and spiritually. But I think ultimately it's it's been really eye-opening. I've just learned a lot more about myself as far as just my own uh, like my own physical well-being, and and again, there's also that intimate tie with that to my spiritual well-being as well. So I, I've been a lot more aware, right? I, I've been a lot more aware of what I've been taking in, and I think that that ultimately is a good thing. Azarari says, "I remember that Superman watch stream, yeah, and I, I remember I ticked off a lot of people, but I still stand by my comments." Jess Pena, so Victoria Alonso left on. Huh? Not gonna lie, I did not see that coming, and again, I I just. It's not going to change anything. That's the problem, right? Is if anyone thinks that that's going to honestly lead to any change, you're kidding yourself. The R says Miss uh, Miss Tess Tessmacher. I I don't I don't get that reference. Gray, uh, how much do you believe John Wick Four will gross? I think all the previous ones in the franchise grossed around four times the budget. Yeah, and again, so if if the early numbers are to be believed, then there's no way that the film is going to be able to do um, nearly as well. I I have not looked at the budget for the film yet. Sometimes they don't release that until right before the movie comes out. I have to imagine that it probably cost. Somewhat similar, and don't worry, I'll be looking it up, so you don't have to worry about spamming in the chat saying, I'm going to beat Odin! I, again, I, I'm already going to be taking care of it. Yeah, there is no reported budget yet for the film. So my guess is, though, it's going to be somewhere in the 30 to $50 million range, is that that's where all the other films have been. Um, and so I, I would say, does it have a chance? Sure, but if these early numbers are to be believed, then we're not seeing that same increase uh, and, and that same... Uh, percentage increase between films that we had seen in all the other ones. Master Gaming says, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Shazam, Fear of the Gods flopped. Do you think there's superhero fatigue? Um, yes and no. Again, I, I think that to say, it, it's anyone who tries to put out there saying it's wokeness alone or primarily, or it's superhero fatigue alone primarily. No. The biggest thing is people are just a lot more aware of what they spend their money on. And they're not going to spend their money on a film that they think either doesn't matter in the long run or doesn't look good. And Shazam 2's trailers were not good. So I think that there's a lot of that that has to do with it more so than anything else. Yeah, I don't buy into the, oh, it's this fatigue and it's because of wokeness. I think that people push wokeness as a reason for things failing a little bit too much. It's a part of it, for sure. I think that the one example that we can look to as being a reason... And it's not even wokeness within the film itself would be the uh, Buzz Lightyear movie, right? But it wasn't because of wokeness in the film. It was because of what Disney did in Florida happening around that same time. That, I think, is the much bigger factor that led to that movie failing. In addition to people 
not really wanting a Buzz Lightyear film without the actual Buzz Lightyear voice, for one. And again, I think that probably, again, the Florida thing had a much bigger impact on it overall. Let's see. The R says, I'm afraid John Wick 4 won't have anything original. I wonder where they will go. Well, again, there's people saying it's the best of the franchise. So um, based on the trailer, I say they still have a, a lot of places to go because of, again, the new things that they're bringing in, the things that have been mentioned but have never been fully explained as well, like just different features of the high table and how to actually get your way out of this. I mean, how to get out of an excommunicado. I just, yeah, to me, that's fascinating. I just love the lore that they've been able to build between movies. Nate Slay says, it seems as if audiences are starting to grow tired of most superhero movies. Well, not go super movies. Again, I, I don't think it's superhero movies that is the problem. I, I really don't. I, I think that, and, and you want to know my prime example of that? Doctor Strange 2. That came out just last year. People forget. Yes, that film should have made a lot more than it did. It still made over $950 million. That is still a lot of money. So to say that there's this superhero fatigue is just, I, I, again, it, I don't think it has a basis in reality. It has more to do with what is being told on screen, patterns of behavior, and other things like that. Some people are oversimplifying it. Keely Chow. As a fan of both Marvel and Buffy, I'm sick and tired of Joss Whedon's Buffy humor being done to death looking at you, Kevin Feige. Uh, I, I love Buffy. Buffy's a great show. And I think that, despite his personal issues, that Joss Whedon is a very talented uh, writer of shows, especially. Nathan Slay says, John Wick Chapter 4 should be a hit. Box Office Network keeps getting higher with each movie. Also, Jeremy Johns gave it an awesome-tacular grade, so it looks promising. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I love Jeremy Johns, and I trust him a lot, but I feel like he's given an awesome-tacular to uh, most of the John Wick films. I feel like he has. Um, I haven't watched his review of John Wick 4 because I'm kind of trying to you know, stay away from anything that could potentially not be a spoiler necessarily because he's very good about avoiding that. But I really want to know a whole lot about what's going on uh, with it going going into it. But as I said, I'm just going based off of what the numbers are saying right now. And I, I suspect, I predict that those numbers will end up being higher. But I don't think they're going to end up being, you know, double, right? If, if, the, if the numbers right now are, are saying the average projection from the box office pro is 66.5 million, the movie would have to make well over $100 million domestically to double or close to double what what the last film did. And I just do not see that happening based off of the numbers as they stand. Um, you know, Box Office Pro is usually off, but I don't feel like they're ever off by $60 million. <laughs> uh, Dr. Van Nostrand says, last thing on the Equalizer, it's a thing in man's wick. Denzel's phenomenal at his best. Do whatever you can to watch it. If you like the second, it's good too with the third slated for this year. Good. Best Game says, Box Office Pro was wrong about Lightyear's opening weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, I don't remember it being that far off. But again, it's also been a while. Zine Waters, The Rock bl blocked cameos by other characters in Shazam 2. And Zine, you know what? It wouldn't have made a difference. Because cameos in a movie don't write the story. I, I mean, there's no other way around it. And also, if you have seen Shazam 2, they make it very clear to completely ignore Superman. You never hear Superman's name referenced. You never hear his uniform message. Like, they are making it very clear they did not want to have any reference whatsoever to Superman. And to me, that's a giant F you to the fans. Because they know people love, the fans love Henry Cavill Superman. So, 
Nathan Slay, uh, Cocaine Bear was not good. I saw it. It was just took itself too seriously. The humor sucked. Character sucked. Yeah, I mean, I actually liked the actors. The actors were really great. The actors are the only reason why the film had any enjoyment uh, for me. But the CGI was really the worst part. Uh, they And again, they took a true story and then went in a direction with it where I was like, you could have been a lot smarter with this because comedies can be smart. And that was not a smart comedy. Not really surprised by that. Uh, Chris Rose, what's going on? Welcome back to the chat. By the way, Abomination, thank you for hanging out over on Odyssey. Let's see. Kimberly G says, Oh, just right. People are being more careful with their spending. Not a lot of carefree income like past years. Exactly. I mean, there's inflation. There's the, the prospects of recession. There's the fact that, as you saw, the average ticket price has gone up tremendously. So people are being much more picky because here's the other thing. You want to know how I know the box office is not anywhere close to being back to where it's supposed to be? Because, yes, big films are selling tickets in their IMAX screens and in their premium screens, but they're barely selling anything in the 2D screens. Remember when I was doing the coverage of the box office and I was saying, hey, I, I was looking at the seats sold and the IMAX screens were doing very well, but you know, it wasn't doing well. And this is going even back to Avatar, Avatar, which made over $2 billion. The opening night of Avatar, the IMAX screens nearly sold out, probably in some places were sold out. The, uh, any other premium format screens with the big screens nearly sold out. Probably even some of the 3D ones as well. But when you looked at the regular 2D ones, barely anybody in there. So that's one sign, because when the box office was actually really, really healthy, you had people going to see all the various formats. And then also, when you look at the lower budget films, the smaller films, those are struggling. The really good ones that can get some good word of mouth, those are doing okay, but they're, they're also still struggling. So, General Wingster, how does John Wick get out of an ex-avocado? Ex <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, let's see. Texas Red Nip says, I believe there is a relation around the woke narrative and it's poor story writing. Yeah. And again, I think that it's the poor story writing though. That is the bigger key there than to anything else. Laura says, I guess I'll wait and watch Azam 2 on streaming. Yeah. I, it's, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but also keep in mind, you're not gonna have to wait long. Uh, I saw a news report earlier that they're already going to be releasing Shazam on digital in April. So in like about a month, they're going to release it on a streaming. So that tells you all you need to know about what they have as far as no confidence whatsoever in, in that film. Let's see. Nathan Slay, since we are kind of in the discussion of John Wick, would you say that Wrath of Man is Jason Statham's John Wick? I mean, no, because it's not going to be a, a franchise and it wasn't a character that was really all that similar to John Wick in the way that John Wick is. So no, not at all. Harvey says, Snyder fans are loud and passionate, but they don't make up enough of the general audience to make a successful movie of their own. And I know that there's hardcore Snyder fans out there that think that they are the reason why Shazam 2 is failing. And it's like, yeah, you may have made up, I'll be generous. Let's say that they make up about, you know, for opening weekend numbers, let's say they make up about 10 to $20 million. That's being very generous, I think. That's still not enough to make a huge difference. Because even with that extra 10 to 20 million, you're still having the film come in 20 plus million less than the first film. So I, I obviously recognize that hardcore fans spend the most money. It's the hardcore fans that will go to see a movie, not just opening weekend, but also 
all the subsequent movies, uh, all the subsequent weekends too. But let's just be honest. There are several factors as to why Shazam 2 failed, not just one. But a big key element is marketing and story because neither of those were really there for, for that movie. As, as I mentioned, I was excited for Shazam 2 simply because I enjoyed Shazam 1 so much. And then what made me not even care to put it on my anticipated list or even on my honorable mention list was the trailers. The trailers were just not good. They were just not good. They were, they were not effective at all. All right. I need to refresh this because it's doing weird things for some reason. Anyway, let us see. General Wingster says, um, sir, that is pronounced African Adam. Ah, of course. Nate Slay, I pray to God that we don't ever get a Joan Wick once Keanu hangs it up. Well, again, if if it's actually Joan Wick, sure. But if in the franchise, and I think that they've been playing around with this idea for the shows, there's like two shows that they have in mind for it. And I think one of them deals with a female protagonist. I could be wrong on that. But I I think that it it could work if they did it right. It would have to be someone who was clearly a protege of John Wick, and John Wick would basically have to not hand the reins, but would have to still have, have... Basically, the character would have to stand on their own. And if anyone could do it, I think the people writing uh, the John Wick franchise could do it, but yeah. Rob D says, Hello, I honestly feel like the Flash movie is Warner Brothers' last chance before they enter sell-off DC or boot uh, Zasloff, my opinion. No, I think you're. I think there, there's something to that, man, because I know there's some people out there that still think that the Flash is going to be a huge film, and it's going to be a huge movie, and and they might even be pointing to, uh, they they might even be pointing to Michael Keaton's Batman, and it's like, look, Michael Keaton's Batman is going to bring some people out, but look at the numbers for Shazam. All right, the numbers are so bad, the numbers are so abysmal. What that shows us is general audiences don't have a lot of interest in not just Shazam, but really the DC film, because other DC films have also struggled too. Um, The hardcore fans don't really seem to have nearly as much interest either. I mean, even go back to the Suicide Squad. People seem to forget that that movie wasn't a huge success. That that film didn't make a, a whole lot of money. And guess what? Who was behind the reins of that project? Oh, that's right. The guy taking over the DCEU. <laughs> so... I looked at that and I think I, I I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Flash was a huge failure, and not because. And I know that I know that Gary has heard things that seem for him to imply that the movies needs to make a billion dollars to break even. I need to see the actual production budgets first. I mean, I, I I you know me, I I don't run with a lot of rumors. I don't run with a lot of speculation. I don't have inside sources saying certain things about other. You know, I am much more conservative in my estimates. Um, and I think that it's it's for the best. It, it, I think, is the fairest way to assess all of these things. Because if I were to take every single rumor at their word, I would still be buying into the conspiracy that Disney bought out Marvel, Captain Marvel tickets to make it you know, a successful movie. Which, again, I was able to easily disprove back in 2019 or whenever the film came out. I don't care. Um, and so I, I look to that and I think... I ultimately believe, okay, let's 
Let's actually wait until we get some some hard data, some actual numbers first, right? Some actual projected budgets. And from there, we can then work and figure out, okay, what is a likely break-even? I'm willing to uh, give in to the Valiant Renegade uh, philosophy when it comes to the box office. All right, shout out to Valiant Renegade. Because I know for him, his break-even points are a lot higher than mine. Right, so for instance, my break-even point for for Ant-Man was for Ant-Man was 500 million. His was 600 million, and a lot of that comes down to different metrics, different ways of working it out. But it's still based off of the same principle of of reported budgets. Um, yeah, I'm not one that's going to run with things. So I think the break-even point for Flash Two, even with a lot of reshoots, because here's the thing: also, people don't recognize. All right, in the budgets for movies. There are, mu- there are funds that are allocated for reshoots. Now, you can say, but they're doing more reshoots than a normal movie. Okay. But then you still have to admit a lot of it or part of it is covered underneath the already existing budget because almost every single film goes under reshoots to some extent. It- it's a natural part and a natural course of things. Um, So we have to keep those things in mind. And also remember... Solo underwent reshoots. And you know what happened to Solo's reported budget? It went up. So that is, I think, also a great example of why buying into rumors of higher budgets than what's being reported is, again, unless you have actual hard data to prove it, is, to me, a, a bridge a little, a bridge too far for me to jump. Because Solo, as I said, Solo had a budget of $200 million or so. And when they fired Lord and Miller, right, when Kathleen Kennedy fired Lord and Miller after the vast majority of the filming had been finished and they did reshoots and rewrites, guess what? They released an updated budget to that movie that was a lot higher than $200 million. And that's why the film ultimately was close to a $200 million flop. So I'm going to go based off of what's being reported by the studios. And I know it's like, how can you trust the studios? Well, for one, they have to file taxes. <laughs> so if they're claiming they spent X amount on a movie, and I'm not saying that they're to be trusted whatsoever, it would be hard for them to be able to every single time make up numbers for all of their, uh, you know, expenditures basically. Um, and I, I also just based off of how they are acting and how they are treating the situation by clearly not caring about what audiences think. Why would they care about? Numbers that most people have no even idea what they what they even mean. Anyway. Back into the chat. Let's see. Zion Waters says, regarding a John Wick with a female lead, is it bad that I liked Ruby Rose in John Wick 2? She wasn't very compelling at all. So I would say if you liked her, I mean, hey, if you subjectively enjoyed that character, okay. I don't think the character was very well written, though. I thought that the character was exactly as the character was treated in the movie, a throwaway character. As regarding, they're making a John Wick spinoff movie called Ballerina. It's in post-production, I think. That's right, that's right. And um, isn't Anya Taylor-Joy in that, too? Because, or am I am I mixing that up with something else? Because that is a movie I would watch, right? One, because it's based in the, in the John Wick franchise. No, no, it's... Uh, Anadayama. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Let's go ahead and pull this up. All right. So the question was, they are making a John Wick spinoff movie called Ballerina. It's in post production. So 
Uh, this is from the Wikipedia up, upcoming movie. So directed by Len Wiseman. So Underworld series, Live Free or Die Hard, Total Recall 2012. So let's just say right now, not off to the best start. Uh, screenplay by uh, John Wick 3 Parabellum, Army of the Dead, Army of Thieves, John Wick 4, okay. Emerald Fennel, okay. Uh, I, again, I, I already have some concerns. Uh, let's see. Chad Staleski uh, uh, is still a producer on the film, so he's the he's the guy, the brainchild behind the John Wick movies. Keanu Reeves is set to star in it. Ian McShane's going to be in it. And hey, you know what? If any actress is going to pull off a a badass femme fatale character, Ana de Armas is is one of the few that I think could pull it off very well. So. Uh, unfortunately, I, I really hope that they were able to get the filming done because by the way, rest in peace to Lance Reddick. I, I just so sad to hear, uh, about his passing, um, only 60 years old. Um, so I, I, I hope and pray they were able to get the filming done for that. Cause I would love to see just again, I would love for John Wick four to not be his last movie. You know, you never want a movie to be someone's last movie, but if, the, if it was like, Hey, you know what? There's at least some potential, as I said, I don't have the biggest hope with Len Wiseman and some of the writers, but you know what? With a cast like this, and when Keanu is a part of the project, I will say that that gives me some some hope. It says, taking place between the events of John Wick 3, Parabellum, and Chapter 4, Valerian assassin Rooney hunts the murders of her family. That sounds awesome. That that sounds fantastic. And I see a lot of people are getting very excited about Anna de Armas. Again, I think that a lot of people will say... That as far as actresses are concerned, she's a, she's one that a lot. If you want to talk about a movie that sucked, uh, James Bond, No Time to Die, sucked. Best part of the movie, her. And as soon as she was on screen and her segment was done, I said, why isn't she the main female in this? Why are we dealing instead with an actress that can't act, is is bland on screen? I was so upset. <laughs> I was like, wait, why are you, why are you taking the actual talented actress that is doing a great job? But anyway, it says that Lance Reddick as Sharon, the uh, concierge continental hotel in New York. This was Reddick's final appearance and one of his last screen appearances. Okay. So let's see development working on a newer draft of the script by April, 2022. The film was officially announced in July 2022, Dayer Moss revealed that she had personally selected Emerald Fennel to contribute to the script as one of the writers. Again, I've, I've got some concerns about that. Because if, if again, Ana Dayer Moss, I love her performances, but it, it, that comes across to me as a, I'm the actress and lead of this movie, and I want a female writer on this. I, I got some concerns about that. All right. It says, principal photography was initially scheduled to commence in summer 2022. Filming officially began in November of 2022 in Prague in post-production in February. Okay, so sounds like because of that, then uh, any of the scenes with Lance Reddick probably are uh, in the bank. So at least that makes me happy. Again, rest in peace to Lance to Lance Reddick. Just awful to hear uh, about his death. Um, but I am, am happy to hear that he is going to have at least another... Uh, another showing and another appearance in uh, a John Wick based uh, universe film. But again, I think there are more things to be excited about with this 
Okay, so he's also, this guy, one of the producers, is also known for Sicario, The Town, John Wick, Greenland, uh, but again. So, I think it's got some potential. I think it's got some potential. So, Ballerina, early early indications, early thoughts? I could, I could dig it. Can you dig it? I can dig it. Harwick says, Black Adam is Shazam's greatest arch enemy, but Dwayne Johnson refused to be the villain in Shazam movie. It seems like his ego got in the way. And you know what? If he was the big villain in Shazam 2, I don't think it would have made all that much of a difference. Yep. Just talked about that, Alex McCarthy. All right. Let's see. I don't know what is going on with the the window that I used to, to pop up the chat today because it is not acting very well for me. Let's see. Hardwick. Uh, says, I also liked Ruby Rose and John Wick too. Blah. Thought she did a good job acting with her facial expressions without any dialogue. I don't know what y'all saw. And Slay, this just in, Warner Brothers not gonna let their budget for The Flash be known until it has complete run in theaters. I don't even know if that's true. I, I have some doubts. I, I have some doubts. Steven says, do you think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will surpass 1 billion at the box office? Does it have a chance? Sure. Will it? I have doubts because, again, look at the MCU films. You start off with the 950 made by Doctor Strange. You plummet to Thor Love and Thunder's 700 million. You bump up a little bit with Black Panther, but a lot of that's more so because of the Chadwick Boseman effect and the domestic effect with the African American audience. And now you're going to go to uh, Guardians. And again, Guardians is a much bigger franchise. The trailers, I think, are actually pretty well done. So maybe we do see the film jump up back to the 900 millions, but the film has to be good because if the film's not good, it's going to fall into the same trap that Dr. Strange fell into. Alex McCarthy, solo lost money. Raylos are weird. Yes, exactly. Steven says, read that the director of Shazam was ticked at Warner Brothers showing the cameo of Wonder Woman in the TV trailer. And you know what though? He should probably be a little bit thankful because it probably increased the box office just a little bit. Harwick says, what do you think of Jenna Ortega's comments about Netflix bad writing and the resulting criticism of her from people involved in the making of the show? Not seen her original comments, don't really care to watch it, so there's no need to send it to me. Again, I don't really follow a lot of the behind the scenes politicking and and drama. I I try to stay away from that stuff as best as I possibly can um, when it deals with like that kind of stuff. But ultimately, do I think Jenna Ortega is a great actress? Yes, I thought that she captured the essence of the essence of the character of Wednesday Adams perfectly. And uh, but you know what? She's right. The writing on the show, I don't think was all that great. She is what I think made the show really good. A couple of the other actors too. The writing wasn't really one of the strong points though. Yeah, some love for Anna de Armas, RIP uh, to Lance, absolutely. Let's see, Texas Red Diff says, uh, and it was the only good thing about the last James Bond movie for Ballerina. Hopefully, Angelica Houston reprises her role. Uh, yeah, she's listed. So she is listed as starring the film. Yeah, so it's Anadea Moss, Ian McShane, Keanu Reeves, Lance Reddick, and Angelica Houston are all listed as starring in the movie, which is in post-production. John Wingster, I can't believe Lance was only 60. Man aged as great as Keanu. Oh, completely agreed. Yep, read your mind there, Texas Red. <laughs> Great Wood says, ah, no time to die. Do not suck, just the ending. Oh, it's it's bad. No, 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 no. The ending is not sad whatsoever. You you would have to actually have an emotional payoff, and there is no emotional payoff. 
Steven says, breaking news, just announced screenwriter Damon Lindelof exit coming Star Wars project. Your thoughts? If it's breaking news, and again, I don't follow Damon Lindelof. I know of the name of Damon Lindelof, but again, I don't follow a lot of the drama politics stuff. Rob D says, do you think that the live action Little Mermaid will bomb? Has the budget been revealed? Uh, I do think it's going to bomb. I think that the the marketing campaign for the film and the reaction is really going to hurt that movie a lot. Um, also, when it comes to the live action remakes, those have just not really been doing all that well. I mean, they've, they've released a couple of them straight to Disney+. Plus. Shows how much confidence they really have behind it. And as of right now, it's not been released. But based off of the history of the live action, you know, live action remakes of these movies, you're looking at at least $200 million, I would say. Howard says, have you seen any of George Reeves' Superman TV series? I'd rank him on Power Christopher Reeves' uh, Superman, although Christopher Reeve was a better Clark Kent. Uh, nope. And again, I don't really have a lot of interest in it, to be honest. Road Rager says, Bond was trash. If Bond was to go female, it should have been Money Penny. Naomi Harris taking the lead. Um, I would agree or disagree. Bond was trash. However, I, I don't think that that would have been all that great. Again, in that movie, uh, Ana de Armas should have been the one to take over. And again, just because she's the better actor. Uh, Mr. ESQ, thank you for the $5 super chat, saying, Wiseman divorced Kate Beckett sale. Enough said. <laughs> hey, you know what? That, that's a fair point. It's a fair point to be made. I thought that that was the same guy, because again, I was like, wait a minute, I remember the uh, all of those movies, and I remember that the director, and that's why it was weird, because in the second film, they were married, I think, and... Uh, in the second Underworld film, and then he had to film a sequence where she's like, you know, making love to one of the characters, and it's like, that's gotta be kind of weird. Can't say I'm surprised that it didn't last. Orange Review says, I believe Lance's last work was the Disney version of Percy Jackson. Ugh. Well, that does make me sad. Oh, I mean, he's gonna be great no matter what, but... Let's see. Laura says, did you see Blonde? I wonder if her Oscar nom was deserved. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's been on my radar, but it's also rated NC-17. So I've definitely also been very wary to, to actually check it out because you know me. I, I don't like to watch that kind of stuff. Haru says, in a nutshell, Jenna Ortega vetoed a lot of bad writing Wednesday and improvised a lot of the best parts against the writer's wishes. The writers got mad when she talked about it. Ah, okay, gotcha. Well, hey, if that is if that's actually true, then you know what? She definitely improved it. I, I still think that the writing had some issues, but yeah, I think that her delivery had more to do with the lines being impactful than the actual writing themselves. Uh, but it would also be, a, I think, a, a pretty big thing overall. Let's see. Zion says, I think regarding Lindelof leaving Star Wars, it's not politics so much as Star Wars has lost yet another director. But again, when, when I say politics, I don't mean in the sense of identity politics. I, I just mean in regards to that is, that's again, that that's Hollywood politicking. That's Hollywood politics. Uh, people getting jobs, losing jobs, that's a part of politics. So it is, it is still very much part of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, Star Wars is in a complete... Uh, free fall. I mean, there aren't any projects that anyone can really say are authentically good. There are no movies set to come out that anyone should realistically have any hope could actually be good. There are really no shows either. The only show that I haven't given any attention to has been 
um, that's that's come out more recently has been the Bad Batch. But even the first season of the Bad Batch, I was like, okay, as soon as they try to make you buy into a female clone, which again, I know it's fantasy and I know that whatever, but hey, you got to at the very least have some sense of legitimacy, at least some sense of common sense, at least some sense of things making sense. As soon as they said, oh yeah, they, uh, one of the clones is a, is a female. It's like, that's no, that's not how this works. <laughs> that's not how any of this works. Uh, because e- even within Star Wars, there was a certain, certain set of rules to follow, right? The Bad Batch, even there was a certain set of rules to follow, but man, oh man. Yeah, Star Wars, a complete dumpster fire. No doubt about it. Uh, A Goat, 1971. Sadly, the Shazam movies are more useless than a treadmill at Lizzo's house. I love the Shazam in the comics when I was a boy. It is sad, because I said the the first one was good. The first one was good. The first one was a lot of fun. Uh, It wasn't perfect. That's why, to me, it's still a a B-level movie. But when all the other films are C and below, I mean... Steven, how do you see Phase 5 MCU going to end up? Worse or similar to Phase 4, only MCU is just... I, I mean, I, again, this it seems very straightforward question, Steven. Like, how do I think it's going to end up? It's going to end up just like anything else. Since there's been no major shifts whatsoever, and uh, the people in charge are still Kevin Feige for the MCU, and then going back to Star Wars, people still in charge are Kathleen Kennedy, nothing's going to change. Until you have the major players out and major shakeups, nothing is going to change. Zion, I think regarding Lindelof leaving Star Wars, oh, I think I may have uh, gone back and misread that one. Uh, Master Gaming says, I don't think we'll ever get back to pre-pandemic levels of the box office. People would rather watch movies from major studios than smaller studios like Open Roads Films. Not necessarily. Again, there are some smaller films that have been successful. Um, and again, we can... Uh, pull up the the numbers. Let me go ahead and pull up my my chart, and just to again kind of hopefully show why I don't think that's that's universally true. So you have Scream Six break even eighty seven point five million. It it's made profit. All right. Let's try to see. Um, let me see if I can find a smaller one. Jesus Revolution break even thirty seven point five has made forty five point five. Missing. 17.5 break even made 14 sorry made 45 million so as you can see smaller movies are able to make their money back and are able to be profitable to boot let's see uh megan 30 million dollars made 173 that's probably a much better example probably a much better example but as as i said it, it's not exclusively true the movies that are doing well are the movies that have really good marketing campaigns, because that's that's usually very key. Good word of mouth, which is even more important now than ever it has been before. And the story also has to be half, at least half good. And I liked Megan. I thought I thought Megan was actually a, a very smart film. Hardwick says Nina Infinity, who is a huge Marilyn Monroe fan, did a great video about Blonde, revealing how it's a piece of slanderous trash with virtually no truth in it. Zine Waters, I see what you mean now. The Star Wars books and comics are trash, too. If you mean the modern ones, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gary Vanjo Sandwich says, Just watched a new series from creator of Atlanta called Swarm. Worth a watch. I never got into Atlanta. I am not really a fan of uh, of what's-his-name. 
ever since he left community. <laughs> Harvey says, Disproof made a great video about the Jenna Ortega situation. It seems similar to Henry Cavill Witcher situation, but the actor understands the character better than the writers. And again, I, okay. <laughs> we get it, Hardwick. <laughs> you don't have to keep hammering the same point. I've given my thoughts. Take them as they are. Steven says, do you think Scream 6 is going to make more than Shazam this upcoming weekend? Uh, it's a good chance. I mean, when the, the the first Monday comparison alone is is such a small difference, I again, I, I would not be surprised whatsoever. I would not be surprised whatsoever. All right, looks like there's some spam going on over on... So let me remove that comment over on Odyssey. So it's like, do you want a job? It's like, I got a job and I'm happy. Zion Waters, that is the Disney Star Wars books and comics. That is the Disney Star Wars. Yeah, that's what I figured. Because I was like, we're talking about the classic stuff. The classic stuff is is fantastic. But yeah, because of the fact that Shazam had such a massive drop-off and Scream 6, Scream 6 had a massive drop-off too, keep in mind. The, the people who went, who have wanted to go see that movie have already gone to see it. So, yeah, do not be surprised if if the film is at the very least close. Have a big up with the Mandalorian. The latest episode was essentially an homage to, and again, YouTube's little box thing is just being so stupid. Anyway, the Mandalorian latest episode was essentially an homage to Orwell's 1984, but with the New Republic as Big Brother. If you're talking about the one where it it, it features almost no Mandalorian, I hated it. I thought the I thought the episode sucked. Because it again tried to push the the non-binary character, you know. If we're, talk, if we're going to talk about identity politics, D- Disney Star Wars, I think, is is the best example of of that. Um, and then it's a show called The Mandalorian that didn't feature the Mandalorian, or at the very least, did not feature much of it. So, anyway, uh, Steven says off topic. No, really. Uh, in your area doing school teacher strike as well. Nope. Uh, the, the only people that, so, uh, when you're at a private school, that's not really an option. Public schools, that happens all the time. And again, unions used to serve a purpose. Now they are nothing else other than major political groups and campaign donators like that that's what they've they've basically just become a giant political action community so when it comes to the teachers unions when it comes to most unions in fact most of them are just complete garbage so i'm happy to live in a state in tennessee where we recently uh the most recent election where we had some amendments we we made our state essentially a a right to work state where uh you cannot be forced to join a union General Wingster, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I feel like you're going crazy. I feel like you're going crazy. He he says, I cannot live without bacon. Find it bizarre that they chose to portray the New Republic as verging on an Orwellian dystopia. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, and again, it, what it does is it continues to try to, and this is something that Disney Star Wars has been doing, especially since The Last Jedi, though we could probably find seeds of it in The Force Awakens, but especially Last Jedi, is the subversion of expectations, right? It's, oh, no, 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 you're expecting the New Republic to be great, and instead we're going to make it just as corrupt as the other. And don't get me wrong, 
I, I do appreciate it trying to make the point that, you know, politics corrupts, power corrupts, right? There's a lot of truth to that. But when you're going to do that, especially in a show that's supposed to feature a pretty awesome character or what used to be a pretty cool character or at the very least the best character in your show in uh, The Mandalorian and not have that in your show, that's a big problem. That is a major problem. All right, we're pretty slow tonight, so I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up. So I'll just get the last uh, few comments uh, that have been made. So Steven, will you be attending Vegas? Nope. Uh, I can't because it is literally the worst timing ever. Uh, I really wish we had more things to do over the summer because when you have a full-time job and a family, and also it's in the middle of the week, which is during the middle of the work week, and also in the crux of the fourth quarter of school, there's just no way for me to ever justify leaving. If it was on a weekend, you know, maybe I could have made that work. But with it being a weekday, there's, there's no chance. Um, the next meetup that I will probably make it to will be Orlando. Uh, I know that Geeks and Gamers is going to be at MegaCon in Orlando. The problem is, is that I don't really know what's going on. Uh, you know, I basically know as much as y'all do as far as there's going to be a panel. I don't know exactly what we're going to do before, during, or after, though. Uh, I hope to find out soon, but I, I I don't know. And obviously, it's because I know they are very busy. They recently re- launched all of the daily content at the content house, so I know that they are just so busy doing that, in addition to getting ready for the Vegas trip as well and so many other things. But um, if... I finally do get information and can finally confirm Orlando. I, I again, should be able to make it to Orlando. And then after that, probably wouldn't be able to make any other meetup unless, uh, except for maybe Dallas again. I might be able to do Dallas again um, for the, the Fan Expo there because I, I think that that's, we're also planning to do that again this year. And it's a long drive for me, but luckily it's over the summer and so I can actually you know, usually make that work, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I would love to do Orlando because it's not that far of a drive. It's about a six to seven hour drive for me. And so I can leave after school on a Friday, get there Friday evening, spend all day there Saturday, go to mass on Sunday, spend a little bit of the morning afternoon and then leave midday and and then get back with plenty of time uh, before having school back after the weekend. So yeah, again, right now that probably is going to be the next major FNT meetup that I'll be able to, to make it to. I think we're still doing it, but let's see. Orange has says millions of the clones were considered bisexual in some circulation. So yeah, Disney didn't try, uh, didn't trailblaze. There's a credit for something that was done long before they owned star Wars. Interesting. A seven-hour drive, Abomination. A seven-hour, not a 67-hour drive. I could definitely not do that. Uh, Souls asked, any update on Tina's eyes? Uh, she has mentioned it in the chat several times, and she is on the Discord server as well, uh, and, and she's keeping people updated. It's still not good, um, and it's just, at this point, it's not looking like the eyesight is going to be coming back to any extent that it had been previously. Obviously, we hope and pray that as time goes on, um, you know, that can change, but at this point, it's not looking like that's going to happen. Um, anime Matsuri 
Probably not because basically I would have to choose between either Dallas or Anime Matsuri. And I believe is Anime Matsuri in July or August? Because if it's in August, I got school starting up beginning of August. We we start like first, second week of August. So um, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I would say right now there's a 75% chance I go to Orlando. Um, it, it will be higher if I can actually get confirmed details. And then Dallas is probably about a, a 65 to 70% chance that I can make it. Because obviously I, I got to, you know, check. I've already mentioned it to the wife, but she never likes me traveling uh, for any length of time. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But yeah, Anime Matsuri. Uh, so Texas rips at August. I, yeah, so I can't do Anime Matsuri. So yeah, it is going to, it's going to then have to be... Um, most likely Orlando in uh, beginning of April, April 1st. And again, that's why I'm like, okay, guys, we're like, what, 10 days or so away from from that? And I'm not getting any, you know, there's there's no, no big details or anything. I, I mean, I think ultimately right now it's just going to be a panel. Um, I don't think there's any major meetup. I, I would not be surprised if we do like the, the boardwalk or the riverwalk or whatever it is. Uh, meet up like we did last time, like the open air environment. Um, because I think most of the focus is being put onto the Vegas meetup instead. But, uh, again, don't ask me, uh, pastor Christ two will probably be what has been said by the director and by Jim Caviezel. They, they, they've made comments about it. So it's going to be focused on the resurrection, the harrowing of hell, uh, various other things too. Yeah, JKD Buck, we're actually going to be wrapping up a little early tonight. So uh, with all that being said, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and let's see. If we did it, it would. Uh, if I did meetups, it would be one or two people at a time. I can't do huge crowds. Yeah, I mean, then probably won't be doing, <laughs> probably won't be going to any of the meetups then because they're usually pretty, uh, you know, pretty big. And even for me, that's uh, you know tough, but. Anyway, with all that being said, thank you all very much for hanging out tonight. Hopefully, the box office numbers for Shazam made sense, as also uh, the numbers for John Wick. So, as I said, Shazam is clearly uh, an abomination for, for the box office. It is clearly doing very, very poorly and is is very likely going to be a massive loser at the box office. And, I mean, it's not even a film compared to other films that has to make that much money in in hindsight to actually make its money back. I mean, the break-even for it was around $312 million. I mean, again, it sounds like a lot, but when you had films like Eternals during the pandemic getting to $400 million, that just shows you how bad uh, Shazam 2 is is doing in, in comparison. And also, hopefully, you get a better idea of the John Wick franchise because, yeah, they've doubled their money, doubled their ticket sales for every film, but early projections seem to indicate John Wick 4 will not have that same impact but we'll have to wait for official numbers to come out over the next couple of days. So a huge shout out to Orange Hour Reviews. Thank you very much for modding tonight. Uh, to all of the members on the stream as well. Abomination, thank you for modding over on Odyssey. And for anyone who is watching this later on Rumble, apologize that this was not live on Rumble. Uh, unfortunately, though, uh, again, Rumble just really needs to get their act together. I should not have to click a thousand different tabs just to make sure that the stream gets put in the right place. They've recently added categories, which are supposed to help, but it just makes things even worse because 
they they just need to standardize things a, a bit more. But with all that being said, thank you all very much for being here. Smash the like button, like the five minute Aussie. Uh, if you're watching this out of the fact, smash the rumble button as well. You're all amazing. And Beetle people, hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, uh, rest of your evening, a blessed rest of your Lent. And I will see you all on Saturday. Uh, obviously, Friday Night Tights. But Saturday, we'll have our Chosen of Valhalla stream from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. So live stream 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. But again, my focus is mostly on the Chosen. So we won't have the typical question and answer um, that happens because obviously my focus goes on to the Chosen. Anyway, you guys are great. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my March Patreon, Subscribestar, and local members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Father Luca Illick, Garrett Searles, Chris from the 80s, who can check out over his YouTube channel by the same name, Jaime Irie Heimison, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange at Reviews, you can check out over at his YouTube channel, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who can check out at her YouTube channel, Eagle Rider, Miss Martin Muses, and you can check her out at her YouTube channel by the same name also. To my Subscribestar, members matt317 you can check out over at his twitch channel matt317 fast reaction the r mr roy jrod the beer guru and the k man who you can find out over at x and lastly to my locals members miss minnesota hockey fan how about a hockey player jh schwalbach brett d 90 and the amazing lawyer robert barnes thank you all very much for supporting me at the patreon level subscribe star level and locals level keeper the bifrost and above if you want your name shouted out at the end of every live stream and uh, every video, make sure to check out the, uh, the the top link in the video description to find out more ways that you can support the channel, including at ways to get access to a podcast and also ways to get access to giveaways that I do on the channel and also, of course, to my coveted Chosen of Valhalla level as well. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.